Rats, 90s kids, and early otters, it's Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap Podcast. I am Sam DeRost. I am Rachel Rosenthal. And we are a real-life couple with a real-life age difference. Isn't that right, my dear wife, Rachel? It is right, my dear husband. (laughs) There's a number of years where it's a little uncomfortable for us to talk about where we were in our life or how we experienced certain events in pop culture, and that's what we do. We hash it out on a podcast, don't we? We do. What better way to sort through our issues than in front of a live audience? (laughs) Absolutely. No therapy required. (laughs) No, not at all. This is what, this is what, like, performers call therapy. And this week, we have a very special diptych of topics to talk about. We're talking about the Karate Kid and Free Willy. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, when we chose them, we were kind of like, how do these connect? Mm -hmm. But I think we figured it out after watching them this week. And they connect because they're both uh, about kids on bicycles. Absolutely. Every movie from this era, okay? And we're lumping these eras in together. Every every movie from this era. Kids on bicycles. That is the main theme. E.T., kids on bicycles. Goonies, kids on bicycles. Sandlot, kids Kids on on bicycles. bicycles. Yeah, every one of these things. And it's good that they end up going together because I just realized an hour before recording this podcast right now that we actually mixed up the topics. That yeah. I was supposed to show you a sports movie. I and and we'll save that for a, a future episode. It's fine. Free Willy works. But we found the connections all the same. Yeah. So this week, uh, my topic is the Karate Kid, uh, which is a movie. Oh God, I should have looked it up. I think it came out in like 1986 or something, but I'm not a hundred percent about uh, the Karate Kid. Uh, a kid that moves to a new town. He loves karate and he's got to get good at it because there's a bunch of bullies trying to take his lady away. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're also talking about Free Willy, a movie about a boy who loves no one loving a whale. Mm-hmm, absolutely. To a Michael Jackson song. So we'll get uh, into that more. But we weren't always so versed in these topics, were we, Rachel? No, not until recently because, in fact, last week. We were pretty in the dark. In the dark. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, All right, everybody. <laughs> All right, Rachel, you can do it. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's time for In the Dark, where Sam and Rachel interview each other to find out just how much they know about this week's topics. Yeah, and this week is a juicy one. Rachel, I've got a couple questions. What do you know about the movie Free Willy? I've never seen the movie Free Willy, but I know that it is a movie that whenever I say that, people are like, you've never seen Free Willy? Yeah, it felt like like almost like a pre-Titanic. Like, everyone saw Free Willy, but it uh, missed you, I guess. I guess. I don't know why, but, well, I also don't know, like, when exactly it came out, but... Yeah, so I all I know about Free Willy, well, I might be wrong. I know that I think it's about a whale, and I couldn't tell you if it was a live action movie or a animated movie, but I think it's live action. But if I'm wrong, I'm gonna feel really stupid. You straight up don't know if this movie is animated or not. <laughs> is it animated? You can't tell if there are real people or drawings. I don't know. I have no idea. My guess is that it's real. Am I wrong? Is it real? This is in the dark. I mean, you don't learn anything (laughs) yet. Um, I also know one really important thing about Free Willy. Yes. Which is that there was like a really big Michael Jackson song that was in this movie. I believe it was Heal the World. Was that the Free Willy song? Mm, No. I don't think so. Let me look that up. what was the Free Willy song? I just... It wasn't Heal the World. Heal the World. Make it a better place. For you and for me and the entire human race. Um, Will You Be There is the Michael Jackson song. What? Will You Be There. I don't know. I thought I knew every Michael Jackson song. Will You Be There? Will You Be There? Will You Be There? Is that it? I don't know. I'm just saying that. Um, Amazing. Pretty much all I know about, I, I assume Willie is a whale. Okay, that's a good assumption, yeah. I would think. Right? Um, 
What hap- What? What would you say is like the main problem going on in this movie you've never seen? My guess is it's kind of like any of those other movies about whales in captivity or sharks in captivity. Like all those movies. Well, what's the one about SeaWorld with that dot? That that like shark that was like killing people. You're talking about Blackfish, the killer whale that was <laughs> killing people. Yeah. I imagine that's not going to be the first time we're going to mention Blackfish. <laughs> Uh, when we're talking about Free Willy. So, yeah. So, I assume that Free Willy is about a whale in captivity and a bunch of people, like, love him and are friends with him. And, you know, like, he probably has one kid who he's, like, best friends with and his name's probably, like, Charlie or something. And Charlie's like, Zoo, please free my friend Willy. And they have, like, protests. And meanwhile, Willy's just doing tricks for fucking, you know... Tuna. Tuna salad up in there. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like it's not hard to guess what the movie's so free I, right? I feel like that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, obviously, that's what it's about. Also, if I had to guess what year it came out, I would want to say, like, earlier than I'd think. Like, it, what, I feel like it's in the 90s. I don't think it's in the 2000s. I want to guess, like, well, no, because that's because I thought it had Heal the World in it. All right. Maybe it's, like, 2002. Okay. That's my guess. That's an interesting guess. Don't tell me. Um, so, uh, do you have any idea about any of the actors Ooh, or characters in this movie? Actor. Well, there's one character named Willie. Mm-hmm. Do you know the actor? And he's a whale. Right. So, he's played by Wally the Whale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to guess there's a child that he befriends, and I'm going to mm-hmm. pretend that that child's name is Charlie, mm-hmm. and is probably played by... You know, um, let's see, I don't know, a young, a young, like, not, not Macaulay Culkin, but like one of his younger brothers. Okay. <laughs> one of the Culkins. Interesting guess. You really don't know the actor that played the whale? What do you mean the actor that played the whale? You don't know the name of the actor that played the whale. Is, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? All right, well, you will find out all these answers and, and more. several more when we do our boot camp for Free Willy. So all that right. is what you've got to look forward to, Rachel. All right, Sam DeRost, what do you know about the movie The Karate Kid? Wax on, wax not a lot. I don't, I have never <laughs> seen this movie, um, but I do know... Uh, famous quotes from You've it. You've never seen it? Oh, I assumed you had seen it at least like once. Nope, nope, never. Actually, I mean, I've seen scenes from it. Here's what I know. I know that recently there was something called Cobra Kai that came out. Yeah. I think that Cobra Kai has to do with the like Russian karate. Here's what I picture Karate Kid is. Yeah, okay? what do you think? Let's talk about Karate Kid before we get into Cobra Kai. So Karate Kid I picture is there's this kid. Let's call him Charlie. Okay. <laughs> he likes to do karate, right? And there's Mr. Miyagi, and he helps him with the karate, okay? Because okay. he's his karate instructor, and he helps him karate, mm-hmm. okay? And then there's this big karate competition at the end of the movie, okay? Where Charlie goes against Russian Charlie, because it's a movie from the 80s, and the bad guys always have to be Russian, and I feel like, I know this about Karate Kid, that there's a Russian one. Or maybe that's Rocky, <laughs> Or maybe it's both. Maybe both of their villains are Russian. Maybe it was just that time in movies. I think he wins. I think the Karate Kid wins. You think Charlie wins? a move that Mr. Miyagi teaches him. Wow, okay. Now, can you name any of the actors in this movie? Yeah, oh, okay. There's an actor that people say because they know him from Karate Kid, but I haven't seen other things. What's his name? Ralph Macchio. Yes, good job. Ralph Macchio. Correct. And there's a famous female actress in this as well. Jennifer Aniston. Not even (laughs) close. No, I have no idea of any females in this movie. Oh my God. You're going to be pleasantly surprised (laughs) because I know that you have a connection to this actor. So I'm excited Susan about Susan Sarandon? <laughs> no, not a sexual person. Okay, all right. <laughs> Susan, if you're listening. Susan, if you're listening, Sam loves you. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, cool. So honestly, a lot of that is pretty close, pretty good. Specifically, like, it seems like you know it's a sports-related movie, and a lot of times a sports movie has a big competition at the end. Here's the thing. What Which... do you think Wax On, Wax Off is about? It's a karate move. It's oh, like, okay. or it's like a, or it could, 
Yeah, I think it's a karate move of like blocking hits. Just for anyone who uh, doesn't have the visual part of this podcast, Sam is doing some dance moves over here with the wax on, wax off. I think this good. is the motion of wax on, wax off. I right? think you're correct. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like this. Right? It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know about any songs or what? Want to guess when this came out? Um, yeah, 1980 always. Um, whatever the year was that the most, I'm going to say 86. That feels like the most 80s year of all time for me. Yeah. Um, that's my guess. I think that this movie is... Uh, I think I'll like it, but I think this is going to be another one where it's like... Of course you're going to like it. I think it might just be one where it's like, oh, okay. That's a movie that someone has seen, but it won't, like, wow me. What? Yeah, I don't know. How dare you? <laughs> it's the karate fucking kid, bro. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out that and more in a second. Take it away, future Sam and Rachel. Thanks so much, past Sam and Rachel. Rach, it was fun actually listening back to that and hearing how close and not close we were on yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Karate Game is actually uh, from 1984, so you were really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Free Willy is not animated. You were right about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movies are like exactly nine years apart, which I like because it's like very close to our age gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. So Karate Kid, I mean, first of all, I w- I'm curious to know, like, did it hit your expectations like you seem to say like this is one of the movies people like but it's not that great like what were your feelings now that you've seen it yeah um my first impressions are it was a better movie than i thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. i knew people liked it but i thought it was like and here we go Uh, cue the fan backlash of i thought it was gonna be like hook where i'm like i don't get it you know you don't get hook i don't get it is that true i don't get it (laughs) You don't like it? I don't Rufio? get it. I didn't say I didn't like it. <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about that on another yeah. podcast. Yeah, Ralphie O. And Ruffio. I, I know, okay, but I thought okay. it was, I was having fun. Ralph Bocci. Oh. <laughs> so it was uh, better than you thought. It was better than I thought, and it was less rocky than I thought. Yeah, there's so many moments throughout the movie and like throughout our discussions where Sam was like, I thought it was this song. Well... I guess that's just from Rocky. I thought it was this. Yeah. I guess that's Rocky. Let's talk about the fact that this song do- or this uh, movie does have an iconic song. Yeah, it's you're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. I'm so glad this podcast has you because otherwise <laughs> we'd have to pay for officially licensed music. <laughs> no, we just have me. I'm the Jackie Zembrowski of this podcast. Proudly, proudly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're the best around. I definitely knew before watching this movie was a Rocky song. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not. And it's not. It's I Have the Tiger is a Rocky song. Yeah, and I knew that, but I thought this was also a Rocky song. I will say that my biggest surprise about this movie was the fact that... (laughs) This movie's about a karate teenager. Yes. This movie... Sam thought it was karate kid, like a child. I literally thought it was a child. I thought he was like eight to ten years old. <laughs> but this movie's about, like, a bully keeping him from his girlfriend. Yeah. This is, like, a and romance. And his girlfriend is Elizabeth yeah. Shue. I know. And you love Adventures in Babysitting. I do, I do. I was a little disappointed it wasn't Susan Sarandon. Wait, by the way, we're watching the movie, and in the in the opening credits, we can see it's Elizabeth Shue, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, it's gonna be Elizabeth Shue. Then she's on screen, like, multiple times, <laughs> and he's like, so where's Elizabeth Shue? And I'm like, wait, that is Elizabeth She's Shue. She's so young looking. He didn't recognize her. I feel like she wasn't young enough, so that's why they made her wear headbands. Now, like, you know they're... who I get confused is Elizabeth Shue and Ferris Bueller's sister. Jennifer. Um, Jean. No. <laughs> you mean Baby. Baby from yes. fucking Dirty Dancing. Yes, 100% I thought that Jennifer was. Jennifer Grey. I thought Jennifer Grey and Elizabeth Shue were the same. What the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> What is happening? I'm worried. (laughs) All right. A couple other surprises Mm -hmm. I think I had when watching Karate Kid was that Mr. Miyagi wasn't, well, he turns out to be the karate instructor, but he is a maintenance man. He's a fix-it guy Mm -hmm. that lives in Ralph Nacho's building. Yeah, although he has this, like, beautiful, like, Asian-inspired house 
away from the building. Like he has right because like oh yeah, where they do all the work is at this other house that looks like magical with these like you know bamboo like pathways and like all stuff. But then he work. I think maybe his place at the building is his workplace or something. I don't know. Right, but he must like fix things really good to afford all those cards he ends up giving to a teenager. Yeah. You know? Also, yeah, can we talk about the cards in this movie? Yeah. So the Literally, my first note I wrote down <laughs> was, is that the way cards looked in the 80s? <laughs> I did too. It's so crazy. They're so boxy. Yeah. I know. But then Miyagi collects, like, cool old cars from, like, what? the 50s or something i guess so yeah and those are like really cool yeah but when you're looking back 40 years and they have a retro car like they started to blend together because i mean this right now we are further away from karate kid than karate kid was to those cars wow yeah yeah wow another way that sam thought that this movie was just rocky was you thought that he fights russians yeah and actually (laughs) i don't know if i'm wrong because I've never seen a kid that lives in California with skin that white, okay? Even those blonde kids have tan skin. Johnny is real pale, but God, he's got a gray head of hair. I guess. But a terrible attitude. Until the very end. All right, but I... (laughs) Yeah, I was so surprised to see that the villains weren't Russian in any way. Mm -hmm. Is there a Karate Kid too? Does he fight the Russians then? There's a Karate Kid 2 and there's a Karate Kid 3, which I don't know if I've seen, but it's like a Hillary, Star- Hillary Swank is like the child Karate Kid and it's about a girl. But no, the second one I think takes place like in, um, where's he from? He's from like... New Jersey. No, Miyagi. Miyagi's oh. from like Okinawa. Oh, that's right. Yeah, something. they go to Japan. Um, but I, I imagine in Japan, it's like an international thing and they fight the Russians. Come on. <laughs> I don't know if there's any God, Russians. I think so. <laughs> I, I, I thought, like, so for me, like, oh, I, I did want to say just shout outs to the in the dark part. You said, I think he wins the tournament with a move that Miyagi taught him. And that is exactly right. I don't think I deserve any credit for that. Because you've he, seen that move. You could just, no. Actually, I didn't. I thought you said, hey, what's the move? Like midway through the movie. And I was like, wax on, wax off. Oh, that's right. And then as soon as I saw him practicing the crane kick, I went, oh, right. The crane kick. Like it kicked in. I couldn't remember it in in the dark. People have referenced it so many times. Yeah. I think, by the way, that's one of the funniest things about watching old movies like this with you or like going through any of this pop culture with you is you've seen other pop culture that has referenced this pop culture and you've missed those references and now you'll understand them. I was bathed in comedy. I learned culture through jokes like that where it's like that and I'm like oh I guess in Karate Kid this must be true because that's why people laughed. Mm-hmm. Like I had to always figure things out retroactively like that and yeah a lot of these references are filling in the gap and I just thought that these things were just worse. I thought people were kind of making fun of them more than they were honoring uh, how good these movies were. There's a cameo I want to shout out which is like in the very beginning of the movie when they're moving into the condo complex in California there's an old lady sitting by the pool and it's the grandma from like Happy Gilmore and like all those Adam Sandler movies. It's that actress. Yeah, the which one with really the kiss fun. face. I love that. Yeah. Um, I also noticed like the 80s was a great time for sunglasses and there's this one and moment. Bikes. And bikes. <laughs> There's this one moment in Karate Kid where um, Karate Kid is feeling like he doesn't want to show his face because he got beat up one of the, Mm. like, nine times that happens. Yeah, he starts a lot of shit. Dude, it is... For a kid that doesn't know karate very well, he starts fights, like, all the time. It's like, calm down, New Jersey. Well, the first one was... I felt like he stuck up for his lady that he just met. I thought that was nice. I guess. But he's trying to hide his black eye from his mom, and I just thought... You are so lucky that 80 sunglasses are so big that they could cover up what was like <laughs> yeah. almost an eye wound yeah, it was of huge. a black eye. It was, the makeup department went crazy on that one. Oh my God. I like forgot how adorable Ralph Macho is. And like his little New Jersey accent is just like so cute and subtle and like adorable. He always, there's this one scene where he's wearing this plaid shirt tucked into army pants where I'm just like, I don't know, bro. But otherwise, I'm really into it. Yeah, I'm, I was so surprised about how much sex appeal the Karate Kid 
it's himself has. The karate teen. The karate teen. I am so, I guess like it's like kid, like, hey, kid. But man, he is just a full boy with hormones. And that was not what I was expecting. I love it. I feel like, so one thing I, we, I talked about with you after we watched the movie the other night is that like, I think there's so many movies like this that have the trope of like rich versus poor, right? So it's like the girl's parents want her to date the son of someone who goes to their club, right? And he's just a kid from New Jersey with a single mom, you know? And that is such a trope from like all these old like 80s rom-coms, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I just have to. There was this one scene where they introduce Elizabeth Shue's parents, and the the like father says to the mother something like, "I thought you were going to get that fixed, like a brick fell or something," and it's like, "I thought you were going to get that fixed," and the wife's like, "I was, I did, I will," and it's like, Jesus Christ, is this woman like abused? Yeah, yeah, he has her in line. <laughs> it is a little scary what's going on. Yeah, I feel like rich versus poor is a huge 80s thing where it's like working class, like it had all this like cachet and stuff. But like in the 80s, the politics were literally reversing that at that same time, which is so interesting actually to think about all these 80s movies glorifying this thing of like this like inherent American value, which is the underdog and work Mm -hmm. hard and you can be on top. Mm -hmm. And And you could be the best around and nothing's gonna ever keep you down reaganomics ended up definitely (laughs) keeping you down there are some things i missed as a kid um i i feel like first of all oh wait we have to talk about this i didn't remember that miyagi is the one that challenges them to the tournament like it's not like the kids challenging each other miyagi's like we'll fight you at the tournament and then sam just like I don't know. Sam got real caught up in like the specifics of how a tournament works. Here's my (laughs) issue. There's a beef. Okay. Uh There's a beef between Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Uh Okay. Specifically Johnny though, if we're going to be real, especially at that point in the play, it seems like it's Karate Kid versus Johnny. It's a rich bitch. Right. And then Miyagi goes, hold on. We're not going to fight now. We're going to fight at this other totally organized tournament <laughs> that that is completely outside of our control that whether has, like, or not tears. right right it has multiple levels of competition there's no guarantee that Johnny and Karate Kid even fight right right so like i guess he's saying like i'll settle it by showing you that he'll win the whole competition but it kind of felt like a weird showdown like i'll see you at the tournament probably and, and it depends maybe. on how the random seating works yeah. <laughs> Sam was just, like, so caught up in the specifics of how a tournament works, you know? I come from a sports family, okay? I do. I come from a sports family. But I will say, Miyagi, his first, like, entrance when he, like, karate fights against the guys in skeleton costumes, like, that's an awesome fight scene. Oh, yeah. When he goes full Phantom Menace Yoda on those guys, it is Real, it is super fun. Mm-hmm. I love that there's one Cobra Kai guy that's like, "Hold on, Johnny, he's had enough." Yeah, he's had enough, Johnny. There's like one merciful one, and we never see that pay off. <laughs> he also just gets his butt kicked no, like everybody else. Yeah, that guy <laughs> comes back and is like, "Put him in a body bag." Is that like, the same guy? I think so. It's just like <laughs> the first Cobra Kai guy they gave lines to with no consideration but over then how a, that character yeah. even feels. Oh, God. Also, there is so much ADR in this movie. Yeah. So much audio added in after the fact where lips don't line up. I'm like, what was Just happening like in this? Just a long walk to a car with a conversation that those actors never had. It's so ridiculous. But I think the main thing that I didn't really remember or like think about as a kid was like, the whole thing is, I mean, maybe this is obvious, but when you're a kid, you just think about like cool cool fight scenes and hot guys you don't think about themes but like how it's really is about like father-son dynamics and the whole thing is like johnny wasn't as bad much of a bad guy as like his coach was like terrible and taught them to hurt and torture and like all this stuff and then daniel doesn't have a father and then miyagi calls him daniel's son and it's and then also you find out miyagi lost a child and his wife in childbirth, right? So it's like, there's this whole theme of like, be a man. But then it's also like, well, how does your father figure teach you to 
be a man and like what does that mean right right yeah i mean with all karate things that i had seen referenced clearly from karate kid here is that and i mean i'm sure this is true about actual karate the karate is a defensive art you're not supposed to and wield this power that. aggressively yeah. i remember this specifically from what now i know is clearly the Karate Kid episode of Hey Arnold. <laughs> but I, I, it was always very clear that you only use it in self-defense. And I, Miyagi has, like, so much restraint, right? Mm-hmm. And everything needs to be earned and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And those are good values, discipline like that. Those are good, you know, traditional, fatherly, you know, values if we're talking about these big overarching theme talks. Yeah, that's yeah. Relevant. Can we talk for one second about how close this movie was to being a soccer movie? <laughs> yeah. So close. Sam, you love soccer. And anytime there was a scene. So first of all, there's like, well, so yeah. So there's the scene. First, it's the beach and they have the soccer ball on the beach and they're like flirting by teaching her to like do those knee moves. I don't know. <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> Juggling. Juggling? That doesn't when sound that much cooler than knee balls. But anyway. Sounds a lot cooler than the <laughs> meatballs. So Sam's all like, oh my God, is this going to be a fucking soccer movie? Then they cut to school where first I'm like, is this gym class? Like, but I guess it's tryouts for the soccer team. Because I'm like, why are the girls cheerleading on one side and the guys are like playing soccer on the other side? And he starts a wait, fucking wait, fight. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Let's talk about the moment to moment of these soccer tryouts. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because I'm looking at this. Obviously, like, obviously Ralph Macchio can handle a soccer ball. I don't think you learned that for the movie. I think he's like really Obviously. good. Obviously. Kick off, right? Boom. One pass, I believe it goes straight to Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. Okay? Ralph Macchio dribbles past one person, probably Cobra Kai. <laughs> dribbles past another person, probably Cobra Kai. <laughs> Third person takes him down. Dirty tackle, sure. Then the karate kid punches that guy in the face. Yeah, can you imagine like going to an audition and then like punching one of the other actors no, you nail the first parts <laughs> so much so that somebody like has to like throw you off your game and then you punch that person like what a bad tryout you get into a fucking fight i get it you don't want to be on the team with those jerks right they're no. jerks but you can't imagine that you're gonna get on any team sport if with you immediately punch somebody in the face. I mean, I gotta say, that's something I noticed this time around is how many fights he starts. Yeah, that one's all him. Yeah. I mean, it's a dirty tackle, but from a soccer perspective, there's no reason to react out. Get in the guy's this face. This is not a soccer movie. Get this a is yellow a karate card. movie. He's Sam. red carded Sam. 30 seconds into the game. <laughs> Sam wanted this to be a soccer movie so bad. Um, well, let's cut to the end. The end of the movie. Unless so, you have anything else. No, I think I think let's abruptly cut to the end, just like the end abruptly cuts. Yeah, exactly. Like, it all leads up to this. I mean, there the Cobra Kai coach is basically saying, like, break his leg, like, completely unsportsmanlike. Put him in a body bag! Put him in a body bag! Finish him! Right? Sweep the leg is one of the most famous, yeah. um, f- famous quotes from this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he went. So, Ralph wins... And that, or Daniel's son wins. And then immediately, Johnny from Cobra Kai just has, like, an awakening. And he takes the trophy, and he's like, I, like, he's like, I want to give it to him. And he goes, you're all right, LaRusso. You're all right. And he gives him the trophy, and then credits. And it's like, wait, what? I know. There is zero <laughs> resolution in this movie. It went climax, and then it's over. I think it really, I think that part suffers a little bit. As much as I hate resolution, because it's just boring stuff, and we know everything works out, right? But, like, to not, like, have, like, them both at school, and then, like, Johnny have to, like, kind of sheepishly acknowledge him, Mm. you know? Or something where we didn't have to cram it into him handing him the trophy. Like, he just got beat. Um, I don't believe that Johnny is that, like you know even-headed of a competitor that like in the championship game he gets beat and immediately is like although i will say that i liked i liked that the cobra kai boys were even saying to the coach like what like we can't do that you know so you did see that like it humanized them in some way the, right it, they're not know. evil kids but then they just did what the coach said karate kid and that's the karate kid or the karate teen yeah you're the best 
movie around free willy let's get willy willy i wanna get willy all right we've got a lot to talk about here yeah first of all rachel what do you think of the animation really lifelike (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i didn't think it was animated i just didn't want to i wasn't 100 percent sure um i do feel like well, yeah, so... I want to hear general first impressions. You'd never seen Free Willy yeah. before. So, general first impressions, it was adorable. It was sad. I knew. I remember hearing how sad it was. I was surprised that the freeing Willy portion didn't really come up to, like, the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Like, I had assumed, as I said in the in the dark, that, like, the whole thing was, like, we gotta, you know, free this animal. But... No, it's not about that at all until the very end when they're like, well, we can't let these bad guys win. Let's free Willie. Yeah. So that was a little bit surprising. Similarly, we've got a kid on a bicycle in an unfamiliar place. Oh, my God. And the unfamiliar place in the beginning is Portland. Portland. It's, it's so fun. We'll talk a little bit more about how Oregon and where we live now. We just moved here to Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, how it it does interact with this movie a little bit, and I guess why it made it so special, or why I think this movie's maybe a little bit more significant than maybe a, a, a kid that grew up on the East Coast, mm-hmm. especially at a different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was Jonathan Taylor Thomas unavailable? That's that's the main question, the, right? The thinking like why was this not played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Like that is what I don't understand. And Jesse, I thought his name was going to be Charlie. Jesse, I mean, that kid was good, but he's no JTT. No. Right? I love the introduction of this character. In the beginning, he and his ragtag group of friends riding bikes, trying to steal money from good, hardworking people. Then they steal a full cake. Okay. We have to pause right here. Because when I was 14 years old. You stole a full cake? I stole a full cake. No, you didn't. Yes. Wait, for real? What are you talking about? There's probably still a warrant out for my arrest in Cottage Grove, Oregon, when I went back to the place I used to live, and I stole a full cake from a Dairy Queen. You did? A full ice cream cake. Samuel! It was bad. I was so scared that me and my friends, as we ran out of the Dairy Queen with the full cake, we got like four streets later and we couldn't handle the heat, so we, we left the cake. Wait, but you left this Dairy Queen. You couldn't handle the heat of a frozen cake. Nice. <laughs> we were too worried about getting caught, so we ditched that makes the sense. cake. Yeah. So we committed a crime and received no benefit from doing yeah, it. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't even take a bite. So this kid skateboards in Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. and steals full cakes. He's basically Sam DeRose. That's Sam DeRose. Wow. Yeah. Also loved animals. And hated school. <laughs> That's pretty much you. But I did think it was crazy. So it's like these kids are obviously of like no family, no money, and they're eating a cake. They're not really doing anything wrong. And the cops come and bust them for eating cake? Oh, like, yeah. what the fuck? Well, they want to crack down on all this truancy happening during the summer. Um, Seriously. Yeah, it is, it is quite astounding how these kids have done nothing wrong, but... Yeah, Jesse ends up getting sent to a family, a family with a very caring mother and an unfeeling Elvis-like dad. I was calling him evil Luke Perry because he, like, (laughs) was giving me Luke Perry vibes. Do you know who Luke Perry is, babe? Yeah, he's the guy from Friends. No! (laughs) He's from... 90210. The dad looked like an older, like, more evil... Yeah, I couldn't tell if we were supposed to like the dad or not at first. Because he was such a weird casting choice. I don't think the movie ever answers the question. Well, I think at the end, he, he has a picture of him at work and, like... At the end, he's like, keep your hands off my boy, you know? Yeah. Like, I think he is, like, trying to dad... And he's dadding it up and dadding hard. So that's another kind of connection between the two movies. It's like father figure for a kid that doesn't have a father. Especially finding a father figure uh, elsewhere. Because I think that obviously Mr. Miyagi is more of a clear one-for-one substitute for Danielson's father. 
on Jeff Danielson. Danielson. <laughs> Danielson. <laughs> Danielson sounds like an accountant. Danielson is a karate guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jess Eason finds father figure roles in other places, like with the guy who I guess runs the like aquatic theater. You know, part of the amusement I, park. Yes, I don't know what that guy Can we does. talk about the corporate structure of, of this Pacific Northwest amusement? Aquarium? Well, there's an amusement park where it's like they have rides, and then they also have oh, the, well. the, <laughs> the world's greatest predator. There's three people that work there one is a 10 year old boy, one is that owner, uh, Oh, well, I thought he was the owner, but then he was like, I hate working here. Let's free Willie. And I'm like, wait, I thought you owned this place. And then that woman uh, who I recognize because she's on Orange is the New Black, which right. is just like ridiculous because it was so long ago. But anyway, yeah, I don't know what the corporate structure is of this place. Also, how is it that these whales have never done tricks in front of an audience before? Like, They've never had anyone in there. Like, it just makes no sense to me. Well, they they have seals doing tricks that people can see. And then at one point, they introduce Willie, mm-hmm. um, played by Keiko. And we'll get into Keiko in a bit. You're obsessed. But we see that Willie doesn't do any tricks because Willie hasn't really bonded with a trainer. Mm-hmm. And enter our child. <laughs> Uh, the child that gets the respect from, again, I have to keep reiterating, the world's most dangerous predator. I know. Every single time, you know, he's just like unattended. Like there's no adults around. He's just there with this huge animal. And he's just like, here, have a fish. And Sam and I are both like, dead. He's dead. He's yeah. going to get eaten. He's dead. It is just the hubris that every human being has in this movie interacting with this whale is crazy. Keiko, the actor, is very generous for not killing any of these actors while filming this movie. Again, we uh, there's a huge free Keiko effort after this movie. I think maybe this is the time to get into it. Where, obviously this movie's about freeing a whale. Mm-hmm. Okay? But who do they have playing the whale? A whale that's in captivity. Of course. Right? Yeah. What are you going to do? You can't have a wild whale do it. No. Right? Yeah, the whale can't really, like, consent. Right. Yeah. That uh, whale was great. Yeah, no, the whale is really good. And uh, something that they touch on in this movie, which I'm actually surprised that they do, is, like, how a bent dorsal fin of a whale yeah. means that it's, like, basically that its spirit is broken. Yeah. In captivity. That doesn't happen to once in the wild. And so, obviously, we can see that Keiko has, um, you know, had a tough captive life. Um, So, following the release of the movie, uh, there were big protests and a huge letter-writing campaign to free Keiko. Oh, my God. Um, Because he was living in captivity in an amusement park in Mexico City, okay? Probably not the best conditions for Keiko. Uh, The letter campaign worked. They were able to try to rehabilitate Keiko, and where do they take animals to get the best treatment that they can? SeaWorld? No. Oh. What? <laughs> the Oregon Coast Aquarium. Oh. Keiko was flown with, like, the military's help to this new aquarium where he was, like, kind of slowly, eventually released back into the wild. Really? So Keiko... And so now to... he's not really acting anymore. All right, he's Keiko. Not... <laughs> he's definitely not acting anymore. He's no. retired. Um, in fact, there was many times where he returned to human contact. Keiko kept seeking out humans to try to get more food. Because Aww. Keiko didn't fully ever... Know how to, like, get his own food. And especially socially. I mean, these animals work in pods. And so Keiko was never really accepted back into yeah. whale society. The whole time we were watching, I was like, this whale was like reminding me of Rosie, our dog. Like, just like the way like they, we talked to Rosie is how this child is talking to this huge killer whale. The world's most dangerous predator. <laughs> um, and as a result, um, uh, Keiko died of pneumonia in, Nor- <gasps> in a Norwegian bay on December 12th, 2003. So oh a ten years and he was honored. He was honored at the Academy Awards. I'm sure he was. <laughs> I'm actually sure he was. So it's just a little. I think, like, actually, we just kind of have to 
remember this movie's about freeing these animals and it's great, but also the, this yeah. movie came at the expense of one of those animals. Right. You know? Yeah. Every time someone got close to the whale, it I just saw images of blackfish in my head. Yeah, you know? I'm like, this person's going to die. And, yeah, it, it it's just crazy. As a person who loves animals, I loved this movie because it was about a child loving an animal so much that they freed it. I feel like the first time I realized that meat was animals, it really hurt me as mm-hmm. a kid. And I remember I specifically ruined my mom's birthday that year. <laughs> Why? What happened? I'm so sorry, my mom. <laughs> my mom. I just kind of like threw a fit that everyone was eating animals and that I wouldn't. And I think it lasted two and a half hours before I ate meat again. I hear that your mom stole that cake <laughs> for, on that birthday. <laughs> So when they first show them capturing Willie in the very beginning and then they reference it again at the end, it's these like tiny boats. And I'm just like, (laughs) how are those dinky little fucking boats going to capture that, what, three ton animal? I'm like, there's no way. They're they're too dinky, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this movie just again and again just has no respect for how powerful the whale is. You know what this movie does have respect for? The harmonica. Oh my What a character choice. This child plays harmonica. I was like waiting for him to have a bindle on a stick or whatever. This kid is a (laughs) 90-year-old hobo from 1845. Played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. He he literally, the first chance he gets alone, he plays sad harmonica. He's just like, boo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. It's so ridiculous. Also, this aquarium overall... It needs better security, you know, the, like in the very beginning, they they the kids go in there to hide and they graffiti the place. And that's how he ends up having to go there to do like community service or whatever. Yep. But like, why was the door just like open to this aquarium? And then later on at the end of the movie, when the bad guys who love money, but we'll get into that. Like, they just, like, go right in as well. Like, it's like there's zero security at this point. Yeah, it really is... The setting is very confusing in this movie. Where are they? Three people, two people work there, and then a child. Like, there's no one ever there. Like, there's there's no workers. You never see, like, a a person, like, cleaning the pool. Or, like, I don't know, a ticket guy. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, it's a it's a bare bones crew. Yeah. Um, but, I guess they blew their budget on Keiko. Yeah, for real, they did. <laughs> I can't fathom how they could afford that. Oh, they say he's worth a million dollars, and we're supposed to be impressed. It was so funny. There's this quote where like the bad guys who are like the investors who like own the whale. At the end, they're talking, and they're like, "Well, that that whale's gonna do some tricks, and that'll make money, and that's." what we're all about. That's an actual quote from the bad guy. They'll make money and that's what we're all about. That's like what we're we get all it. About. Yeah. I don't think those characters have names. They just have money signs in their eyes. Yeah. yeah. So it is animated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then kind of like, uh, you know, just some growing pains happen as Jesse gets used to his new thing. He kind of toys with going back to his homeless kid life. He kind of meets up with his best friend friend i guess again again and his friend's like hey i got this job for us if you want in and he's like no i got my own life hanging out with a whale now (laughs) i could not get over sam what you were probably gonna kill me like i could not get over how much to me there was like a goonies crossover first of all it's like it takes place in oregon kids on bikes kids on adventure but the little kid's voice like was kind of raspy just like mikey from goonies and then he kept being like willie i'll save you willie and i'm like it's just like mikey talking about one-eyed willie and it just over and over again it was like oregon bikes willie mikey the raspy voice like i just couldn't i'm like this is just all i want to do is watch goonies i mean i liked free willie but i loved goonies Mm -hmm. i i'll I'll be honest i don't remember i didn't remember until watching it, how much of it's like, that is a homeless kid. I mean, he's like pretty rough around the edges. Yeah, he was angry. I mean, those parents were like so nice. And he clearly was just like an emotionally abused child who really did need the care of a real parental unit. Yeah. And those people were such good people. Especially the mom. 
<laughs> yeah, we didn't really like Luke Perry, evil Luke Perry. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was all right. Yeah, but ultimately, it ends up in a big like escape attempt, right? Yeah. There's just some. It's time to ba ba da da free Willy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? God, I don't understand. We kind of have in the like stretcher a, thing, like which stre- I think that's like literally how yeah. they transport whales. But it's like crazy to put that like on the back of a truck. That was insane. And then they're riding the truck <laughs> through Oregon and the kid is just in the sling with the whale. They right. just like let him hang out back there. I'm like, that seems really dangerous. I feel like nowadays, if you saw someone in the back of a pickup, you'd be like, hold on, oh that is God. dangerous. Of course. We did that all the time as kids, but you'd be like, that is dangerous. But this is a kid hanging out on a sling that is like projected in the air carrying a three-ton predator. Four to six-ton most dangerous predator in the world. We get it. You love Attenborough. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they're trying to make this escape attempt. I feel like, yeah, like I said in the beginning, that freeing willing part was really just the last few minutes, mm-hmm. um, which I was surprised by. Well, you have to, like, get the, the relationship between the boy and the whale, which I honestly thought was pretty sweet. Like, the kid's doing circles, and then they show the whale doing circles. And it, circles. like, helped him become a compassionate human being. He is Willie, right? They're like, hey, Willie doesn't like anybody. He's like, oh, I don't like anybody either. And that's kind of fun to and see And he has that. to like, you know, play his harmonica about it. Right. And the whale, <laughs> I guess, responds to the harmonica? I guess. The, oh, by the way, the whale saves this boy's life. Can we talk about, like, so at the very, very end. We're freeing Willie. We're freeing Willie. They get him in the water. There's, like, fighting. And he's just, like, running. And the, the tiny, dinky boats are going to capture Willie again with their fucking net and and he's like just jump jump over this like rock barge or whatever like well Rachel they set that up earlier by the big jump that Willie couldn't do before oh wait no they didn't no they didn't why didn't they set that up no jumping tricks at all at all and it's like it just seemed like the easiest script moment like I'm just like anyone who has read or a script or seen a movie knows that this needs to be referencing a big jump trick that he did earlier in the movie but no it's just a random jump my guess is that that was in the script and like either it didn't come out when they were doing it with Keiko or something and they had to cut it because I am like why at the end was jumping such a big deal they had to cut Keiko not jumping yeah, like jump that. They had to cut that part from the script. And that's why at the end, it didn't reference anything. Right? It just seemed random. It, it, it was super crazy. I mean, if Keiko had to escape by like splashing some tight shirt when they least expected it, that would make sense because we've saw that throughout the movie. But no, it has to be this big jump. Right. Do we have to explain this to the audience? Like what exactly we're talking about? Or do you think they're okay? What do you mean? So basically, it's like, you know, there's this whole thing. They finally get him in the water. They're going to get him away. But, uh-oh, the bad guys were were onto them, and they have a big net in the water to capture Willie. But if Willie can jump over this, like, rock wall, he can be free and get a- away from the net. Right? Right. Just for anyone who hasn't seen that part. Right. But it's like... The only iconic part of this movie. Now, that, Karate Kid, I kept being like, oh, right, oh, right, oh, right. Yeah. Free Willy was like, what, what, what? Oh, and the, the jump very, and the Michael Jackson song. Right, it. and it's like, it's the jump seems to be so important, and it just feels like it should be referencing something from earlier, and it's not. No. And then, the Michael Jackson song. Dum, 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 dum. Gotta free the world now. <laughs> yeah, gotta free. Yeah, I don't know any words to that song, but uh, it wasn't Heal the World. No, I just knew Hold Me Like the River Jordan, but. Uh... Hold me <laughs> like the River Jordan. Um, yeah. And then he makes that leap, he and the boy the touches the bottom of the whale the last time. You're like, 
that whale's going to crush that boy? Right. That, that kid's going to die. Yeah. The fact that this kid doesn't die at the end of the movie is surprising. Yeah. For how many risky things he does. Yeah, he's a very risk-taking kid. Hey, that kid stole a fucking cake. <laughs> and he should he be got, arrested and the, for the rest of his life. I mean, we've seen a lot how the Portland PD treats <laughs> treats people <laughs> recently. Yeah, he's and like he was no, It was no different back then. <laughs> That's um, amazing. All right, well, that was Free Willy. Yeah. I'm so glad I finally got to see it. Yeah, I'm so glad I got to see the Karate Kid. I feel like we're closer. Yeah. I do. I feel like we, although they weren't an intended pair, really did bridge the gap for us in terms of kids on bicycles, Mm -hmm. going to a new land, making friends and father figures in unforeseen places. Wow. And now, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) it is time for The Hat of Time. Time, time. All right, Rachel, I'm going to reach into this hat throughout the decades. (laughs) All right, inside the hat of time, we have various events and cultural specifics uh, between the years of 1996 and 2008 or so, basically 12 years. That is uh, our age difference, and that is basically the span of time that we call the icky years or the generation gap. So we're going to pull out uh, two uh, moments from the hat of time and discuss where we were and our relation to them. So as I reach back through time and space itself, ooh, I can feel a lot of things that were very racist back in the day, (laughs) but I'm going to pull out another one. I don't want to talk about those. And I pull out... Princess Diana. Ooh, such a good one. Now, Rachel, I assume you remember Princess Diana as alive. True or false? (laughs) True. Okay, well, that (laughs) separates us already. Oh, my God. Yeah, what's... What do you know? What... I I know that she died. Um... (laughs) All that's like... Do you remember when she died? Because to me, that's... Yes, of course. Okay, so where were you? I remember I was watching TV... I saw the funeral. I saw... How the, old were you? I don't know. I, I, we should look up this No, year. I know exactly when it was because my memory is so All right, so specific. what year was it? I want to say it was like um, nine, uh, 1997. That sounds right. 1997, 1998. Maybe. I was a freshman in college. <laughs> and you Sorry, were, you said it was 1997. And you were, what, six years old? Six years old. <laughs> so all, I remember watching on TV... Uh, and I remember there was like a clip show that like ABC or whatever co- company had put together that was a clip show of Princess Diana moments cut to Green Day's Time of Your Life. Okay? To get real late 90s on us, okay? Mm. And I confused that with Green Day performing that song at Princess Diana's funeral. Right. Okay? Because you were six. So I was six, and... I don't think that Green Day received an invitation to Princess Diana's funeral now, in retrospect. No, I think the only person invited was Elton John. <laughs> that might be. Um, and then, well, obviously... You know, he did that song at the at the funeral. That was, like, this huge part of the funeral. Candles in the Wind. Yeah. 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 Um, but I had confused that great musical moment with Green Day's <laughs> Time of Your Life. <laughs> also... Uh, with Princess Diana, That's really I still do have, and this will dovetail very well into next week's topic, the Princess Diana Beanie Baby. Mm, interesting. That's yeah. insane that there is one. Um, so I knew it was 1997. Yeah. Because I knew I know that it was basically like in my first weeks of college. I was, I had met people at orientation. So that's like August. And I went to a party uh, at Ithaca College at the Circles. I went to a party at the Circles. It was like one of my first like college keg parties I'd ever been to. And then I went home. I don't know if I went home early or what. I didn't really know anyone. I went with like two people I'd met at orientation. And afterwards, we went back to their room. Uh, it was I was with one guy named Brian, and I can't remember the other guy, his roommate. And we're sitting in Brian's dorm room, and it came on the TV. Oh my God, Princess Diana died. And 
so I remember exactly like I had just been at a keg party and now I'm in their dorm room and Princess Diana died and I didn't really have that many friends at college yet like so I was like it's gotta be like the very beginning of freshman year um and yeah it was really crazy all right should we dig back into the hat of time yes Rachel reach back but be very careful there's a lot of unpleasantness in the past and we want to just kind of come up with pop culture stuff so make sure you don't go too far down the uh time rabbit hole too far down the hole all right let's see what's in here you look like you're reaching deep (laughs) all right i pulled out the internet first email slash aim oh that is wonderful yeah Yeah. what about you rach what was your uh, first email slash aim account um, well, we, oh God, I'm trying to remember. So we had internet and computers and stuff really, really early, as you know, because my dad is a programmer. And so we had personal computers before a lot of people did. Um, so I remember I had AOL um, and my nickname, this, this was so long ago that it was before I was Ray Rowe. I was Ray Ray. <laughs> I never knew there was a Ray Ray. Yeah. Ray Rowe happened when I was around 14. Um, And uh, Helena Silver, my friend Helena, named me that. But before that, like when I was a little kid, people call me Ray Ray. So my AOL was like, my AIM name was Ray Ray 123. And I think that that was my email too, Ray Ray 123. I think actually back then when it first came out, your AIM and your email were the same thing. Like it was just Ray, whatever your Ray Ray. Denise, can we get a fact check on that? (laughs) Denise, look that up. But basically, I didn't pick my own name. My dad picked it for me. Um, and then I ended up using that AIM name or AIM name, whatever, for so long. Like, even in my 20s, um, we used it at work, and it was still right where one, two, three. That is insane. I'm trying to think of how old I was. But by the way, no one else had email or AIM, so I had no one to message except my dad, who was, like, sitting at the desk next to me. <laughs> so I was, I was, yeah. What year was this? Are we thinking? I'm, God, I have no idea. I feel like I was, well, I was less than 14. So I'm going to say I was like 12 or 13. Um, and that would mean that you were a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I was baby at baby one, two, three. No. <laughs> um, my first AIM screen name, I got it when I was in seventh grade. Because that's when you start to need to private message people. Mm-hmm. You know, you got private things to say. Uh, as a seventh grader, I had decided that my strategy for getting people to like me was going to be to play guitar. Uh, learning everything I'd learned in one and a half years of beginning band class mm-hmm. and transposing what I'd learned from the trumpet, <laughs> I literally taught myself how to play guitar. So I was, you know, teaching myself all of the classic guitar songs like The Middle by Jimmy World and swing swing by the all-american rejects sure but i needed a screen name and so i thought you know what's like kind of like cool to say and i think i'm ahead of this here guitar geek wow you know that seems pretty cool but guitar geek was taken yeah as you can imagine that's what happens so i went all right guitar geek one two three Mm -hmm. that was taken no so then I just thought, I have to come up with numbers here that'll be my numbers here. And I just went, do 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 on the keyboard, which was 232. 232 is my favorite number. I was born at 2323 military time. Oh, two, three, two, three. there it is. And I didn't know that at the time of choosing it, but my AIM screen name had that moment, 232 became my number. And now that's like, that's my lucky number is 232. Most people, their lucky number is seven or three. And those numbers come up all the time. But if I see the number 232, I know it's something special for me. By the way, I just looked up, or Denise looked up. Thank you, Denise. um, When AIM came out, and it says 97, which like, yeah, that kind of messes up my memory. Like, I thought I was so much younger than that. Yeah, I was surprised when you said that because I so think it I came really out in 1998. So I really have no freaking clue. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Uh, but in any case, that was the hat of time. And that was this week's episode of Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap Podcast. How you doing, babe? 
Oh, doing so great. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want, go ahead and subscribe, rate the podcast. Tell your friends. Give us five stars, but if you have any criticism of the show, just put it in a five-star review. Because I'm not going to look at it unless it's a five-star review. Yeah, or, you know, email us privately. Rosie goes through all of our emails first. Our dog. That's our dog. (laughs) All right, thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Sam. I've been Rachel. And never stop gapping. (laughs) No, all right, hold on. My name's Sam DeRose. I'm Rachel Rosenthal. And I hope your generations are as gappy as you are. All right, I think we're good. (laughs) All right, you try one. Okay. I'm Rachel. And I'm Sam. And we've gapped till we (laughs) drapped.